little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step all righty folks welcome back hope you all are doing good q how are you doing took a couple weeks off how you feeling <clears throat> um like dog shit but I'm here. I'm ready to fucking party. And yeah, do all types we're of down, bro. Shit. We are yeah, fully man. pilled right now. We are back into it. Um, had a little update on our co-host, Gatto, who hasn't been around for the last couple of weeks. And I think it's it's our duty as hosts to to continue the show and keep it pushing, but also update our fans on Gatto's status. And as we had said a couple of weeks ago, Gatto was serving out a life sentence in Guantanamo Bay. Some pretty serious accusations that were made against him. Um, but we are provided an update um, by a third party who's asked to be anonymous. Um, so this we got this about 24 hours ago. We've been trying to dig through some of the encrypted messaging. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read this off. And this is from our anonymous source. And... We don't know who this person is, but they have told us what a hero Gatto is and what he has done while being a prisoner. So Gatto has been languishing in Guantanamo Bay for weeks, wrongly accused of being a terrorist. He had given up hope of ever escaping until one day Ginny Thomas, wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, came to visit him. And she had a twisted sense of humor and forced Gatto to watch Kevin Sorbo fan fiction written by... The one and only former New York Giants head coach, Joe Judge. Incredible. It's incredible stuff here. Gatto knew he had to escape, but it seemed impossible. The prison was heavily guarded and he was constantly watched. But Gatto was a resourceful man. I should say is because he's still alive. And he bit and he bided his time. Finally, he saw his chance, and one day the guards were distracted by a brawl in another part of the prison, and Gatto took it, the advantage of the chaos and overpowered the guards. Ginny Thomas was still watching her ridiculous videos, oblivious to the commotion, and Gatto took blades from a deli slicer from the kitchen that he had procured and disarmed her. He knew he had to get out of the prison as quickly as possible, and using his stealth skills, he was able to make it to the airfield. But this is where the story gets really interesting here, folks. Gatto broke into the airfield and found an F-35 fighter jet. This is probably like the only one that still works, by the way. Um, he has no experience flying or no experience with the F-35, but he knew it was his only chance to escape. As he took off, he saw Gary Busey, the one and only, standing on the runway. Busey had recently been fired from a reality TV show and had been wandering the island looking for work. I mean, this is this is harrowing stuff here. It is uh it is incredible and 
we have not been given a proof of life yet so we're we're hoping we're gonna get that soon but uh uh you know i'm hoping this source um i think the source's name is george patrick thomas it's not confirmed Mm -hmm. uh but we're Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but if you go by the abbreviation we'll call him gpt for a while yeah um so yeah yeah, but but i did i actually did get in contact with tom cruise to see if he could help because you know mission impossible and he goes but uh it's been confirmed actually he's actually just an actor and that's not a that's not a real thing did you know that mission impossible is not real i thought it was a documentary and frankly i'm a little disappointed it's crazy i'm like Next thing you're gonna tell me that John Wick actually is like fake. Don't lie to me. I don't. I don't appreciate being lied to no, in front no, of the air, in it's front crazy. of our fans. We have a lawyer friend who never actually passed the bar that we're gonna draw up some <laughs> never, papers. Well, never took the bar. Well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him a little bit there. He he just decided to pay eighty thousand for an education, and it was just like, are you his wanna, defense lawyer? Is he ours? <laughs> hey, I'm gonna plead the fifth. Okay, so fucking don't don't ask me any questions. The fifth. Okay, so more shenanigans from our co-host and Gary Busey. They flew the jet out of Cuban airspace, but their joy was short-lived as they were shot down by the Mexican Air Force, um, and both Gatto and Busey were able to parachute and land safely in Arizona. This is Carrie Lake's Arizona, by the way. Um, I should note that... She is, in fact, the governor, by the way. Mm-hmm. He landed in her section of the state. Gatto was later picked up by the local authorities and placed in protective custody. Um, and we can't verify this, but this is the only reporting that we have so far. Gatto is currently working at a Scottsdale Circuit City selling Blu-ray players. Um, and despite his freedom, he still dreams of the day when he will clear his name and expose the injustices that he's in suffered. And, and, and frankly, we appreciate this update from our friend, Mr. Thomas. I think this is really helpful for all of us. That said, the last part of this is really important because we do mm. need a president who is going to be able to expose the truth and one who is going to be do it. I, I don't see anybody other than Nikki Haley being our president mm. to um, free Gatto of these crimes and clear his Please record and, and, and make him the, the, you know, medal of freedom winner. Go tiger. Go tiger. <laughs> this time you'll clap. This that, time. So clap. what's amazing is that Trump has been on a fucking tear lately. I don't know if you've been keeping up with his truth social point, uh, his, his truth social post, but he's been on a for number one meatball Ron death blow to Ron De Sanctimonious, and he's bringing that back. And you know what? I'm liking it now. Yeah, De Sanctimonious is working for me now. Um, but you needed to be much, warmed up a little bit, though. You needed to it, be coaxed into it. You know why? Because like the more I listen to Ron DeSantis, he is pretty sanctimonious. So like it actually like, it's not a banger in the sense that like, it's one of those like jokes that takes a while and you're like, Oh wait, that was good. You know, it takes a while to kind of like marinate a little bit, but he put out this post about Nikki Haley about like how he was not concerned with her running. And Oh, I see. She's even pulling at 1%. Great start. And I was like, Oh, still got it. But yeah, He's not he's not afraid of her. And she just had her Jeb moment, which is a death blow. 
Yeah. So for those who um, have not been following Republican media sources, Nikki Haley is running for president. Lottie freaking da. Um, She made this whole stink about how the Republican Party has not won a um, a popular vote since both Bushes at this point. And she says that the Republican Party needs a new sense of direction. They need an outsider. They need somebody who is going to be able to shake things up. And who else is the best candidate to do it than Nikki Haley, somebody who worked directly in Washington and is a GOP insider. So I'm not really sure where the belief that she's an outsider comes from. It's It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I know that you had mentioned... Trump, Q, what do you mm-hmm. think her chances against a DeSantis would be or a Larry Hogan or any of the other rubes that are going to roll out in 24 <laughs> and try to run for president? Um, I don't think it's going to even register. She's She will be the Kamala Harris of this cycle in that Kamala Harris kind of had a little bit of heat in the beginning and like maybe initial polls and like she's not even polling anywhere near where she needs to be to even be relevant at this point like she's polling mm-hmm. well under even rubio and cruz and all of them um and you know look it's still early in the process so anything can happen but like let's be real here why would they go settle for why would anybody settle for nikki haley when trump is still in in than the mix right because the the clear alternative you're either going to be a trump person or you're going to be a DeSantis person right there is really no in between because if you're if you're leaning into the more social stuff you're a DeSantis person if you're into the overall nationalist type of message you're a trump guy um so i don't think anything is really gonna move the needle other than those two guys well the other thing too is that she won't even talk about trump like she goes Mm -hmm. on the friendliest versions of like mainstream media. And they ask, like, what's the difference between you and Trump's policies? Because you were the, she made a big stink about how she was the ambassador to the UN, but she was only the ambassador to the UN for like what a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And she won't even talk about it. She won't even say like, I, here are the areas that I differ from him. Here are the policy differences that we have she's like i'm not even worried about i'm not even worried about trump like i i don't think about him it's like well you're gonna have to at some point you're gonna have to make a comparison between you and him and this idea that you can just ignore all the noise and you'll come out as the hero i i think that's kind of a fantasy that lives in the minds of folks like our number one fan of the show jeb bush that thanks thanks easy spite (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and yeah please clap um this time they'll clap (laughs) thank you everybody especially because i feel sick right now i appreciate that um yeah you know what's funny too is that with her she she made a, a comment during the uh during one of the rallies that she said like america's not a racist country joe biden and kamala harris thinks it's a racist country you call you go by Nikki Haley. Your name is Nimrata Ren Renhada or something like her, like it's not even her real name. Nikki Haley Haley is literally her married name, but Nikki is just a nickname. So it's like you're kind of like going against yourself there. Like she she the problem that she's gonna have overall more than anything is that like you said 
her policies are not different, right? Literally no difference from her and Trump. But at the same time, she's going to try and soft sell it. And that's not what these, this is not what the Republican base wants. They don't want you soft selling this shit anymore. They don't want to go back to the 90s where Republicans called it tax cuts instead of what they, what it really was. They want the aggressiveness on the lips. That's what they want. Yeah. I feel like she is probably nine years behind on her messaging. Like this would have worked mm -hmm. the years of Mitt Romney and Paul yeah. Ryan and stuff like that, yeah. but it's not going to work now. This is the Marjorie Taylor green party. This is the Lauren Boebert, the, the Andy Biggs party where nothing makes Paul, sense. Paul and, yeah. Why, why yeah. should it matter? Um, on president's day, Marjorie Taylor green is talking <laughs> about secession. Love that for her. Um, I'm also I'm also curious to when this is going to come up and I can't wait for this because she's I know that she has this in her back pocket. She's going to say America can't be racist. Why? Because I was the I was the governor of South Carolina that made them take the Confederate flag down from the Capitol. And their whole shtick was like the Confederate flag was on top and the American flag was second. Or it wasn't the Confederate flag. It was the flag of South Carolina or some bullshit like that. It, but has, like, it has the Confederate album, right? It has very similar like significance as well. So I, I know that's going to come out at some point. And it's just, I know this is when we get all the goons out of the way, sans Trump. Like we're going to get an announcement from Larry Hogan pretty soon. We're going to get an announcement from probably ron johnson we're gonna get an announcement from a few other people but we're really still all in on desantis and trump right like this is that's gonna be a thing i i just don't number one it's gonna be trump i'm calling it mm -hmm. i'm calling my shot right now because desantis that that whole thing when trump pretty much called him like indirectly called him a pedo yeah like, that was good that was some oh. good shit right there Bro, number one, this is going to be one of the greatest. I'm going to, like, the Republican um, debates are going to be, like, UFC fights for me. I'm going to have, like, wings, beer, ready to go. Like, it's going to be blow to blow. I, I don't think DeSantis, because DeSantis, when, like, he was, when somebody brought up Trump to him, tried to, like, take the high road. And he was like, I'm only concerned with taking care of Florida. And it's like, bro, big bro, that ain't gonna that ain't gonna cut it. Mm -mm. Like, you gotta fucking call him a piece of shit, man. Call him a fucking terrorist or something. Like, do something. Like, make it make it a little fucking juicy, you know? Like, you're not gonna like this is like WWE, man. You gotta throw some body blows, otherwise, you're not gonna make it past fucking June. Mm -hmm. Second most watch party for the debates. Absolutely, I'm down. Yeah, I think we can work that out. I think people are going to have to watch it on their own, or we can just have reenactments of the debate if you want. We can get transcripts and we can do them. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see how this ends as well. And I know that DeSantis today was in New York City for whatever reason at like a NYPD fundraiser because, you know, because they need more money. Because they need more money. And also, I guess DeSantis is like currying favor around like major metropolitan areas outside of Florida. He's going to run for president. Like that's that's no brainer here. Oh, no, he's he's absolutely. I think he um, 
was it him who had the leak in the book his autobiography that came out i think there was like a note that he was running for president and then they like rescinded it i, I think that was the santa so don't quote me on that um no he's he's obviously running there's no doubt about mm -hmm. it but like again like i the thing i'm going to point out is that democrats really really are into um the pers per the preservation of democracy thing right like the absolute rejection of anything conservative that's what they're leaning to republicans want a fucking wrestlemania fight they want you yep. throwing barbs and like rubio you know what rubio's biggest fucking mistake was in the in remember when he killed he said trump had a small dick yeah and then he apologized don't apologize double down on that shit bro like that's what you yeah do. say that you've so, seen it <laughs> <laughs> I was I was standing next to you in the urinal, bro. Like you fucking like something. Like you can't you can't come in there and all of a sudden just fucking like try and play like sanctimonious. Can't yeah. be Ron De sanctimonious. You got to be Ron yeah, DeSantis, bro. Yeah. I um. Do you Nikki Haley has no shot, right? Like this is just. None. She'll be out by June. Like, I'd like to thank the Academy for all of your help. <laughs> Go could Tigers! Be could be a VP candidate, though. Yeah, I would, I I would say she's probably high on the list there because, but she doesn't really bring much to the table. No, she's a part of a fan base that really doesn't exist anymore. And that's also the one that doesn't donate anymore either. So I'll, I'll be curious to see. Like, what's your end game here, Nikki Haley? Do you think that you're going to be the dark horse to get in, or are you going? Are you doing this to run for VP and get in that way? Because outside of being the governor of South Carolina, you really didn't do a whole lot. Again, she was only the UN ambassador for a year, and they really did. She didn't really do a whole lot. So. I don't know. It remains to be seen. Um, but she was in New Hampshire today talking to constituents because she started her trip there. And she was talking about like her, you know, her origin story, so to speak. And she had mentioned that she went to Clemson and met her husband there. And she said, go Tigers. Nobody applauded. Nobody said anything. And I just I don't think that she understands that like, cool, you went to Clemson. You're in New Hampshire now. Like yeah, no nobody one, gives, no one gives a shit. shit about a school in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was funny because like she did that. The, the worst part was she did that pause, like go Tigers. And she was like, pause for pause for applause. One, two. And she was like, anyway. So it's like, <laughs> it just, it Thank was. You. The cam does. Am I wrong? Does the camera angle even resemble the "Please Clap" video? It feels like I'm watching the same video. Probably the same people. They're all cut from the a same. Maybe it's an AI-generated the video. <laughs> they're all <laughs> cut from the same cloth, though. Like all these people, like her, Jeb Bush, like Marco Rubio. They're all like from the country club vibe, where mm -hmm. people will fucking clap for anything. And I don't know. I think this is a wild miscalculation on her part. And the whole like selling point of, well, I am the outsider. Like you don't, you want to cut social security. That's not really an outsider perspective at this point. That's another thing Trump's been heavy hitting uh, the sanctimonious on.
was and yeah. it's like he wants to cut social security. But like I'm gonna give credit to Biden. That was a fucking boss move by him. Um spending so much time on the State of the Union about talking about Social Security and Medicare because Rick Scott pulled back on his plan to to pull back because now like and like it's so funny like you saw Mike Lee who is a fucking asshole um if anybody doesn't know Mike Lee he is senator from Utah I believe yes I believe yeah he's sitting there and like he's like con- he had that like confused look it looked like that Nick Young gif where the question marks come up and he's like confused when he talked about Republicans trying to cut Social Security and Medicare, which they've been trying to do for the last fucking 20, 30 years, at least since Reagan, pretty much. And someone and then he basically said, like, you know, he tweeted out like somebody's he's making up lies. You just saw replies were just all a video of him from like literally two years ago saying we want to cut Social Security and Medicare. We want to privatize it. We want to like. Literally two years ago. It's not some video from the 80s or the 90s or anything. It's literally like two years ago. Yeah, I mean, they've they've hidden the, the cuts to Social Security around like fancier mm-hmm. like words and different policies and things like that. Yep. And then you also have absolute idiots that are like, oh, yeah, we should, you know, you know, approve it every year. And it's like, dude, you're not going to do that. That's honestly... I am shocked that that is a policy by the GOP because if you look at some of the demographic information, like older populations, they vote Republican, but they love Social Security. And rightfully so. I mean, you worked for 45 or 50 years. You deserve some kind of like state-managed pension fund. But the fact that they are so like brazenly saying like, oh yeah, we're going to get rid of it. I don't understand why we need this anymore. It's like, because... There are people who are in their 80s that are rationing fucking pills because they don't have enough money. And what's going to happen to them when they don't? Nate chimes in. It kills me that all of these old people are diehard Republicans, but don't comprehend that they are voting for the removal of their money. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you have to you have to remember something is that like most of these most of these Republicans, I feel like Republicans are 90% and I, I don't have numbers to back this up, but like majority of them are social issue backed voters. Mm-hmm. They don't really care. Like they, they, they don't, they either don't realize or don't care that like they're going to be living in squalor over this because like, you know, you go back pre new deal, like, you know, the, the rates of elder homelessness was, it were insane. And, and, like now, like it's still not, I still think that we need like a new, new deal and essentially like double down on Medicare and social security, universal healthcare, things like that. But like even social security, like my parents are close to retirement age. And like, I see like, even like this, just, if you don't have like a pension or a 401k, it's not enough money. So like the idea of like letting the market decide your, what, what kind of money you get in a private, in a private sector which you know would just be rife with, you know, people just taking, you know, stock buybacks and shit like that. Um, there's there's really no way you can like cut it at this point. We need to like amplify it, especially with inflation going up. So it's like it, the fact that Republicans were even considering this is crazy, but they get away with it. Yeah. They get away with it because, they're again, they're able to mask it behind things. But also yeah. they blame so much of the things that they were down with mm-hmm. on Biden. 
and I were I was watching um, Lauren Bobert's Twitter feed showed up on mine. Thanks, Elon. Really appreciate that. It's exactly what I wanted to see in the morning. But there was something that she was like taking credit for when she had voted against the bill in Congress, and somebody had called her out on it on the internet. And I think that's ultimately kind of how the GOP operates. They they push back on everything and then they take credit for anything that happens that people like it's, I wish the democratic party had a better way to sell that to folks or the people that are being impacted on it really paid attention to it because if they were really paying attention to those things, like there would be a lot more change in that party and it wouldn't be the party of secession at this point. Amen. Speaking of bad ideas, let's move on to the um, the Ohio train disaster that happened a couple of weeks ago that now people are starting to say is getting a lot of attention. So uh, for those who also were not following along with that, there was a train filled with a highly toxic chemical called is it vinyl chloride yeah. that crashed on a privately owned rail line. Um, and has basically infected this entire town of East Palestine, Ohio. And Mike DeWine, who's the governor of Ohio, basically said, no, no, we got it. We'll take care of it. And it's only gotten worse. Um, my understanding is there was that big explosion because they needed to clear the rail line or something to that effect, and they couldn't pick up all of the material on its own, so they just detonated it instead. Um we're getting into just like haphazard policy and deregulation. Q, what is this? How much have you been following along in this and what has your perception been of it? It, uh, it looks to be a disaster and I don't know it. Anytime something like this happens, you have to start questioning the things you're hearing on both sides, either from the government angle or from like, public journalists you know people who go out there with a smartphone keep hearing that those the, the the biggest fear is that it's going to have ecological implications and they basically sent people back home very quickly afterwards and said everything's safe mm -hmm. and everyone keeps insisting water's fine don't worry about the water don't worry about you know everything around you don't worry about like but the problem is with these vinyl chloride is the what I've heard is when it's lit on fire, it essentially attaches itself to water. And there's videos online. And again, I'm, you know, you, you have to take everything with a grain of salt, but people are basically like throwing a rock in like a little, like, you know, pond. And essentially you're seeing like almost like a rainbow color coming out of it because like it probably has vinyl chloride on it. I don't know how much I trust. And like Mayor Pete, who is the, who chose, I'm guessing chose the department of transportation because of the fact that he thought it would be an easy gig to raise his profile. Basically just said like, yeah, train accident, train derailments happen every, you know, like thousands happen a year. And it's like, just like, it's a normal thing. And it's like, well, don't you think that we should be like pushing to try and like, you know, really reinvest in infrastructure to avoid those type of things, especially when we're talking about fucking hazardous chemicals. So I think my overall taking from it is like, how safe is it really? 
And what are we going to fucking do to stop this? Because it seems to be happening. There, there was another one, I think, in Texas. There um, was three incidents that happened in the span of like crazy two weeks. Yeah, I mean, Nate chimes in. Um, first issue is the, the tragic state of the railroads in the U.S. Second is the haphazard policy. The railroad employees have voiced the state of the rails and the government ignored it. That was actually a big piece of that railroad union debate from a couple of months ago where the government came in and said, like, we'll help you negotiate this. But rail safety is another component that's just kind of like, oh, well. But I, I will say, though, like, you have to think I have a couple things to say on this one vinyl chloride is used for like hard plastics for coating materials, things of that nature. It's, it's a very like artificially just like created chemical. So as we've seen with many of those, like they're incredibly noxious and incredibly dangerous. Um, and the second part is Norfolk Southern, which is the, or Norfolk South is the rail line that managed it. They also managed the rail line itself. So you also have to look at the railroad company, the shipping company, and what their culpability is in it as well, where they managed the rail lines. They also knew what was going on the the rail, the, the trains to bring it from one part of the country to the other. And you can't tell me that they did not play a, a hand in this where they deserve a lot of the blame for this. And I yeah. think that's, there was a it, town hall where they never showed up for it. It was Norfolk Southern apparently, I think was the, yep. uh, the, the shipping company. And by the way, they, they've recently just hit record profits. Oh um, yeah. So, but what's amazing also is that like a couple months ago, I think we probably talked about this was, there when there was the um, the union strike for the, the you know the railroad workers, and they were basically saying like we need sick days, we're overworked, we can't keep doing this. And one of my biggest critiques of Biden, for a guy who claims to be a union guy, basically went out of his way to make sure that he basically overrid any type of collective bargaining and impeded any type of progress they could make to at least give them something. And now, again, we're seeing it here. And, like, I'm seeing, like, people are posting videos of, like, trains going through rails in their towns. And it's, like, lopsided. It's, like, the, 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 the they're not even, like, secure. Like, you see the trains kind of bobbling around. And mm -hmm. you just realize, like, it's not so much in, like, the big cities that get a lot of funding. But it's, like, even in small towns, a lot of this stuff is so out of date. And I think they also, like, somebody mentioned about, like, a remote switch, like, actually investing in technology that can avoid some of these issues like that, like, like take some of the manual process out of it. And like, nobody wants to put money towards this shit. But when all of a sudden, when this stuff happens, like maybe it's going to be the thing that finally pushes people to like, maybe start making some changes. But I, I'm not sure I'm even convinced that that will happen. Yeah. And it's difficult to, to figure out how to untangle this because I think railroads are about a third of like the products that are shipped throughout the country. So mm -hmm. it's a complete overhaul. And I know that the, um, the trillion dollar infrastructure policy or plan has money set aside for railroads. But I think, again, those are publicly owned or federally owned railroad lines. These are private. And 
you know, you said it, Norfolk Southern hit record profits and they're making money off of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, if they're not protecting their rail lines, the people who live in places like East Palestine or Youngstown or, you know, places in West Virginia that are not like heavily populated by influential people, they're going to continue to suffer from things like this. And they want to go into it. Pittsburgh may have been even affected by this. So like 50 Well, there's that big cloud. Away. There was that big cloud that flew over Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. People were like showing like like potentially Tom, did you ever think we'd see acid rain in our lifetime? I felt like that was a thing that happened and like we said like pretty much everyone said like we need to fix this, right? Like never again. Fixed it, didn't happen anymore and now like we're pretty much getting acid rain again. We we have yeah. taken such a steep step back. And this is yeah. my argument against um, moderate liberalism in this in this country is that like it is a fucking poison pill because like when you try and ride that moderate line, it's never going to work until we have like this is why like I'm still happy that Bernie is still involved because like he's been the one calling this shit out for the longest time that like until we start treating um, the environment labor as like the utmost importance and actually throwing real money behind it. Like the shit's just going to get worse. And I, and I think that you brought up a good point about like, who are the people that are making decisions about this stuff? Because right now there's a lot of people that are blaming the Trump administration because they deregulated a lot of the train lines and they removed a lot of the regulations that were associated with like, train safety and what can be put on the railroads and what can't. Okay. So Elaine Cho deregulated that stuff. As Trump. Elaine Cho has not been. Remember what Trump called her? What was, what was it? Uh, I don't remember, but it was probably something chow, something chow. Yeah. Cocaine Mitch's wife. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry. But she deregulated that. Mm hmm four years ago and the Biden administration has been in power for the last three. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that that was never a conversation. So I, I think that, you know, the Trump administration deserves a lot of blame for that, but also the Biden administration mm-hmm. too, because they could have very easily like reactivated all of those regulations while they had both all capacity of Congress and the legislative branch to do it. And I think we need to spend a little time shitting on Mayor Pete because between this, the other two that happened with their major issues in 2021, there was a rail line or there was a train that fucking fell off the tracks with like 20 tanks of propane. No big deal. Um, and then you get into all the stuff that happened with the airports as well and the systems shutting down. And there was that plane from Honolulu that took off and that was like 700 feet from hitting the ocean. I, I know the, you know, the department of transportation does not have a lot of influence. And I know that person doesn't necessarily, they're not a decision maker, right? They're a policy. They're a, they're an administrator. They just follow the directives of the administration itself. But if Pete wants to run for president, he's going to have to fucking do something more than just like 
writing a strongly worded email to Norfolk Southern saying like, hey, you need to make sure that at least you think about supporting the people of East Palestine and Eastern Ohio. It doesn't look good for him right now. And I know that there are some late night talk show hosts that had mentioned that Pete is kind of like the darling of the left. And that's definitely not true. He fucking sucks. Yeah. I mean, I'm bothered by the fact that, you know, he's able to go on these shows and be charismatic. And it's like, dude, what do you do then? Like, what's your job? He's just doing his best Obama impersonation. Like, that's all he's doing. And like he like everyone like this again, this is my problem with like the moderate left in this country is that because you have a oh, he's a Rhodes Scholar. Oh, he speaks all these different languages. Oh, he was a like a Marine. I don't fucking care if you're mm-hmm. an empty suit. You're an empty suit. And that's what he is. He has nothing of substance. We we're not if you want to go back with Mayor Pete, we can go back to that sheriff incident Um we fired the sheriff in in uh, when he was the mayor of uh, where was it South Indiana? Bend South, South Bend, Bend. Uh, he's got a real shady past he does not appeal to a demographic outside of like the New Hampshire type Democrats so he doesn't have national appeal and then now on top of this this is yet another fucking scandal with him uh, I want no part of Mayor Pete being involved in this process um, yeah he, he's he's gonna be poisoned. Um, and honestly, I think he should resign like immediately. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to create a compelling case for him to keep his job or get promoted into other jobs. Like, dude, you've been, you've been in this role for three years and nothing has changed. And if anything, shit's just gotten worse. Like airline safety is a major issue right now. Like somebody clicked control, alt, delete at, you know, the, for all of the airlines and all of the transportation safety administration, like what the fuck dude, I don't know what you do all day, but it's definitely not your job. And the thing is though, is that all of the disasters that have happened under his watch, they've been warned about somebody warned them that what happened with the airlines and the computers going down was going to happen. Somebody had warned them and said that the railroad lines need to be repaired and are not safe and the regulations protected a lot of folks and they haven't done anything. And I, you made a great, you made a great point, by the way, you made a great point, by the way, that like, it's been almost like what, three years now that Mm -hmm. Biden's been like the biggest problem that I think Biden has, and he's done a lot of good things. And I'd argue, like, I think we've had this conversation that like, if we're listing best, best post-World War II presidents, Biden's up there as far as the amount that he's gotten done. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of, a lot of good things and a lot of good directions he's taken. But the biggest problem is that they, they're, they're doing the Obama thing, which is like blaming Bush. And it's like, motherfucker, you've been in office for three years. You can get a swipe of a pen, fix this shit. But you like, you're pretending that your hands are tied behind your back when you're really just like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> You're just fucking holding on. It's like it, it, there's nothing stopping you from fixing this shit. You just like having that ability to blame somebody else for it. Yeah, that whole notion that we have to be procedural how to do this. Like for the first couple of weeks, Mike DeWine would not ask for. Um, was it? Um, what's FEMA. the? Um, they wouldn't ask for FEMA's help. Like, yeah. He said I, that I Biden don't think you called. need to. And, and he, he didn't, didn't answer. Return. He didn't return. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a mm-hmm. fucking asshole. Like, 
dude. Yeah. But you know what? When they throw money at him, he's not going to turn it around. Nope. So, and I think that there's that's kind of their problem is that they're so fixated on procedure and doing things the way in which it's written on paper that it ultimately hamstrings them to not necessarily be creative on how to solve these problems. And if you keep saying like, well, we need to do this the right way, we need to do it, you know, we need to sign laws and pass bills, like that bill is never going to come to fruition, one. And then two, all of these bills are set to take place like three years from now. So that problem is not going to be solved in the interim. And I, I just think again, like we're getting into a place where if we're talking about actual change, and I think Biden deserves a lot of credit for the stuff that he's done. They've also sure. taken on little things too, like fees, like hidden fees and things like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. That I solves like, like little problems for people like you and me, but should like this, like you have to take a stand on this and you have to push legislation before it's a fucking crisis. And yeah. You know, Joe Biden made his whole like reputation on like, oh, he rides the train from D.C. to Delaware every day or some bullshit like that. Like, okay, time to live that. But going back to Mayor Pete. I don't think you can have a pro-business secretary of the Department of Transportation. I think you need a pro-union, like pro-people person, because ultimately all of the stuff that's covered within the net, like transportation is covered by unions is people that are programs and initiatives that working class people use and are going to be the ones that are most affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there has to be a stronger pro union push because I'm telling you right now, Trump is probably going to capitalize on that type of stuff. Now, whether Mm -hmm. or not he's actually going to, they were talking about him going to Palestine, East Palestine. He did go. I think he did go. Shit. Yeah. And where is Biden right now? He's in, in the Ukraine. fucking Ukraine. Not good, man. Not good. Not a good look. Gotta get down there. You gotta go. You gotta be fucking boots on the ground. Because I'm telling you, he's gonna out... Like, and again, I don't think Trump is going to be a pro-labor, pro-union president. But mm-hmm. he will undoubtedly run on a nationalist stand of like i'm going to enforce pensions everywhere and like people are going to eat that shit up and that's a way of winning michigan wisconsin and pennsylvania and all those states again stealing them back from the democrats after they we made ground in 2022 and then you know he's never gonna like actually do it but like it's easy to say it so like time to start leaning in and i'm i don't know if you heard but the orb mama marion williamson will be running for president in 2024. I'm actually okay with this because obviously she's not going to win. She might not even pull at 1%, but she will be out. She will be the more, the more left candidate. Um, So at least maybe she can, if she can push Biden even a little bit more left, I'm it's worth it. Yeah, it'll be her. It'll be Andrew Yang and whatever. Oh no, he's freedom party, bro. He's not a Democrat anymore. Well, whatever he does, he's going to run for a president and no one's going to care. Yeah, and the crickets will have their fucking songs going. No one cares. (laughs) Fucking Silicon Valley fucking hack. Yeah, he 
it's a shame he's the only one that likes a universal basic income. <laughs> and even then, like, but like that was such a fucking trick too, though, because I read the policy. If you accept a universal basic income, you forfeit any other government assistance. So if you're on like food stamps and you accept the twelve hundred dollars, you don't get shit else. You get the twelve hundred dollars, and that's it. Most people actually get more money. Like if you actually if like and and it's such an inauthentic take on what he believes universal basic income needs to be. If you truly believe that like we're going to be unemployed one day because of the fact that robots are taking our job, it's going to have to be a hell of a lot more than twelve hundred dollars. It's going to have to be supplemental. It's going to have to be universal health care. It's going to have to be universal basic income. It's going to be food stamp. It's going to be like everything for a large majority of people. The fact that you're trying to be the person to break through on that and you're very like calculated, you know, in a calculated way, you're hiding um, the actual like and trying to trick people off of government assistance is is real dirty. I I, I do not care for Andrea. Yeah. So you basically pay, get tw- paid $1,200 a month and you pay $1,400 a month and all of the things that was covered by government mm-hmm. assistance anyway. And I, I don't know if it Love covers that. Medicaid and all that, but like imagine you get kicked off of like Medicaid and like food stamps and all that for like not knowing. Cause again, that but you can go a- be a painter Q. You can go to school <sighs> and be a painter or pick up another hobby like Frisbee. Yeah. God such it's it's so like it's so gross like the way he tried to present himself not a big shock that he came from silicon valley no not at all um any other thoughts on what happened in ohio i know that you were out sick but any other closing thoughts on Mm. that one no but i did want to go back for a second um Mm -hmm. because we were talking about um trump nicknames a while back um <laughs> so Trump uh, Trump put out a uh, true social post <laughs> and obviously talking about Ron DeSantis and all that he used Jeb with quotations which was great Carl Rove do you want to guess what Carl Rove's nickname is Oh it's boy a fucking banger Don't look it up take a guess <sighs> What does he resemble? Does he resemble? Does he have like a face that like resembles a munchkin from Wizard of Oz? So it's a good, it's a good guess, but it's an animal. Weasel? No. Turtle? It's a, it's a baby version of an animal. Hmm. Baby version of an animal. Yeah, so it's not it, there. There is an animal. It's it. It sounds the same, but there's an extension on the name. It's a baby version. So like when when it's born, it's a this, and then it turns into a this. I don't know, man. You gotta help me out here. Do you want to? Do you want a hint or? Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Okay. Let's play it is an, an animal that we cur- we is very big part of the American diet. So it's not a like a it's not a, some people do keep them as pets. But we also you can go to a Denny's and get it. It's a piglet. Piglet Carl Rowe. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 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 Oh no! 
Poor Carl Rove. I'm sure Piglet Carl Rove. Banger. I'm telling you, man. The the guys at Trap uh, Chapo Trap House were talking about this a couple weeks ago, where this mm-hmm. is like Trump getting back in fighting shape. This is a Rocky montage. He's just putting out a fucking. He's about to go fight Drago, and he's like punching fucking, you know, big fucking pieces of Eric like, Junior. Walker. Punching. Yeah. He's punching Eric in the <laughs> face over and over again. <laughs> it it's uh it is Who, absolutely what, incredible. Would Roger Stone be his trainer? Um, his you trainer would be fight. Roger Stone. <laughs> you gotta, you fight, gotta call him a piglet, Trump. You gotta call him it. Ron the sanctimonious. <laughs> Go with the basics. Don't try and switch it up to meatball, Ron. <laughs> He's coming back to his roots, man. He's yeah. getting back to his roots. He's fine. You know how Stella got her groove back? Well, fucking Donnie's getting his groove back. You know, I really think he wasn't bought into True Social for a while, but now he's starting to he's starting to really he's broken down some of the data. He's met with the engineers. He knows how it works, and now he's like, "I'm going to make this the greatest tool in the world." And he's just going to go on there and fillet these people who don't have True Social accounts because you have to be invited into it. So Nikki Haley is not going to be able to respond to any of this. Ronnie D is not going to be able to respond to him being called a pedophile unless somebody from the Miami Herald tells him about it. And Carl Rove is trying to like look through a like polar approved spreadsheet to find out what would be a most acceptable response back to Trump according to a certain demographic and tax yeah. bracket. He also referred to, th- quote, throw them over the cliff, Paul Ryan. Do you know what that is referring to? I don't know what that's referring to. I feel like it had something to do with, like, his tax plan, which was basically, like, nuke the world and start over. Mm. Like, hey, your house is burning down. That's really unfortunate. I'm not going to help you. What is Paul Ryan <laughs> doing now? I, I saw him in an interview not that long ago. He was talking about Trump in a negative light, but like he's he just writing know. Ayn Rand fan fiction. He's still working out listening to Rage Against the Machine, not understanding the subtle metaphors in the songs. <laughs> totally not getting it. He said his favorite um, band was Rage Against the Machine. I'm like, my guy, you are the machine they're raging against. Yeah. They're they're talking about you, dog. Tom Morello was like, fuck you. <laughs> was it um I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was when Paul Ryan was running for president, and there was a band called Silver Sun Pickups that he was playing one of their songs called Panic Switch, and they wrote him a letter and said, Stop. We stop doing this because yeah. we actually hate your guts. <laughs> yeah, I think that recently happened with uh Marge, right? With uh Tom Petty. Yes. Yeah. The um the, the estate of Tom Petty. Yeah, said, like, he he would have hated you. Stop playing his fucking music. They all love the "Won't Back Down" song. Won't and, back down, and they just don't understand it. Like, <laughs> I saw a video that still sticks in my memory forever. It is a pair of uh, at, at like a MAGA rally. They're listening to um 
the rage song i uh, killing in the name of and it's mm -hmm. like those who work forces also burn crosses and i was like you really don't get it do you <laughs> right over like, their head like i know it's sick it sounds fucking it's a sick song but like you you're not really getting the context here are you so oh, God. also ymca huge fan song at trump yeah. rallies too also completely missing the point of that too yeah weird <laughs> i would love if they came out with like they would definitely come out with a cd of like the hit songs at trump rallies <laughs> like a like a kids bob version of trump trump rally songs yeah brought to you by mike huckabee <laughs> Dude, i love that meme of uh of uh sarah sanders um sarah huckabee sanders like get you a governor that can do both and it's like both what yeah you're not doing anything you're standing in the woods <laughs> She's like, like, got like a gun in her hand, and it's like, what is she? Are doing? you gonna shoot? Are you gonna shoot that dog? What are you gonna do out there? <laughs> well, have you ever heard the rumor about um, Mike Huckabee's son? There was a rumor going around that he like murdered a bunch of dogs. You don't remember this? No, I don't. So, so it's kind of like, what are you doing, posing for that photo? There was like a there was oh, a bunch this looks of like stuff. a mugshot. This looks like a mugshot. Yeah, I, I'm Fact gonna say check. allegedly. I'm gonna say allegedly because I don't know for sure. But like I remember that was a big topic back in um, what was it 2016 when he was running. Yep. David Huckabee's part in killing is the only fact that has been proved. Okay, so he Why did play the dog a part was, in it. Yes. Um, damn, he looks like a sociopath too. Yeah, I'm not saying he is a sociopath, but if I were to assume, he's got that Patrick Patrick Bateman blank stare going. He's uh, just not like a wealthy socialite. He's just like a yeah. This is more like the guy that works at um, Waffle House, like Radio Shack. <laughs> um and is really pushing hard on like the the new car stereo <clears throat> system that they sell there yeah and like he's like you need to buy it and he's just like i have your address <laughs> he just keeps whispering stuff like he's doing that like you ever see kevin nealon do that bit where he'll say something and then whisper something underneath his breath he's like mm -hmm. you gotta buy this new car stereo i'm gonna come to your house you're gonna buy it right now. I have your address. Don't don't fuck me. You better walk. Everybody's like, I guess I'm gonna buy it. And he's like, Good, good job. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and pick that up. Oh, his whole family looks like fucking weirdos. Yeah, they're a bunch of fucking wax. John Mark Huckabee has an IMDB page. Oh, these all look like terrible films. America, imagine a world without her. Yeah, that's this is on brand. Oh boy, this family sucks so much ass. Did you see? Um, since we're talking about, we were talking about Chat GPT before, mm -hmm. and obviously you've seen these deep fakes that are going around. Did you see the video I put in about uh, the Joe Rogan uh, fakes, the edits? Oh, those are so good. They're so fucking good, man. I, I. I <laughs> 
the uh the twitter user that i seen um putting it in i think it's a very tall bart or uh, yeah it's at tall bart he keeps making these fucking bangers man like they are so good the ratatouille one fucking kills me every single time (laughs) (laughs) words matter joe god you know, there's one person that's like has taken their hat off and thrown it on the ground more times about Chat GPT, and it's probably mm. Ben Shapiro because <laughs> he could have been a much better screenwriter had Chat GPT been around when he was trying to make films. Excuse me, he did not make that one. That was by a different person. That's okay. But uh, yeah, no, they're they're incredible. Yeah, and I, I I just love how like, but it's also scary how good all of it sounds yeah i mean i follow some other ones too like there's one where obama biden trump and yes. somebody yeah. else are playing video games they're playing like call yes. of duty yeah those are great those are great <laughs> it's fucking hysterical <laughs> yeah uh, i mean those... zach at zach silberg was the one the ratatouille one gotcha uh, yeah I think we can spend an entire episode talking about like the artificial intelligence component. I also saw the collective hand wringing from the New York times about like the Bing chat GPT told me to leave my wife. Like (laughs) dog, don't tell me you didn't think that. (laughs) I think uh, you're getting, you're getting a clear cut message from JPT. It is scary though, because like, it really does sound like perfect. It's like, it is a, like there are little subtleties, but like the Rogan one, like it sounds like him. It's, it's choppy obviously because it's not a linear uh, narrative. So it's, it's a lot of cuts, but at the same time, it's like, it is kind of scary that like, we're already here. Like this is where we're at already with this shit. Like in the next few years, it's going to be like, I think we are headed for a big problem with this though. Everyone's going to be cool with it when like the porn industry gets a hold of it. And I think that's the thing that's going to be the most dystopian part where you can now have a relationship with an artificial intelligence that is basically going to tell you everything you want to hear. And Mm. it's well, uh, what was the movie with Joaquin and Phoenix? Her, her there, there was already, um an issue with that uh there was a there was a twitch streamer um who i don't remember his name who actually got caught on a on a live oh yeah he was scanning he was basically he had his browser open and someone noticed and clipped it that there was a site that he had that basically was showing deep fake porn of literally his co like his co-streamers like uh pokemon who's a famous twitch streamer um cute i think qt cinderella is another one i think and like ben shapiro actually had a decent take in the beginning about all this but then he he made it all about his love for banning porn in general um it's scary it is scary that like this shit exists and like i'm glad that there's been conversations um, about making this like illegal, like make it like very punishable. If you're profiting off of making a deep fake porn of somebody else who did literally did not consent to it. Um, it's it like I, that's assault as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would put it in the same category as probably like filming a sexual act without somebody's permission. Um, okay, that's a good that's a good point. Um, there's a more technical term for it, and I would I would maybe have some more sympathy for that YouTube streamer had the company not come back and like, well, no, this guy actually paid for it. <laughs> he he saw a link on like, a, a, I'm guessing a porn site and was like, yeah, you know what? These are all legitimate. And like literally gave his credit card info. And then he had his, I think his wife sitting next yeah. to him while he was like, dude, come on, man. There was some there was some serious cringe elements to it. And and I would agree with you. Like I don't know how necessarily like we should respond to that as a society, but I, I don't think it's something that can just go like disregarded and like yeah, it it's so kind of a one off thing. Like somebody has to have a conversation about what because right now this is used maliciously to like get back at people like revenge yes. porn esque things. It right? is the same fucking thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to think of, like essentially yeah. revenge porn, but in the same way, people are using it for that. They're going to use it for the lulls, like the Joe Rogan stuff. What happens when somebody uses it maliciously and like, you know, you get a hack into like, spectrum network or charter cable and they're able to create essentially a live feed of something that's actually not happening like an orson wells like uh war of the a 1984 thing. situation yeah. except yeah. they were very clear that like hey this is just a radio drama but people were right. tuning in halfway through and they didn't know any better didn't people like they're, like didn't people like freak out over that shit though Am there I was wrong? absolute pandemonium around it and yeah. again like they said in the beginning, like, this is not real. This is a radio drama. This is not something that is actually happening. And they did it a couple of times, but people would like, people didn't know. And they yeah. would just jump in and be like, holy shit, something's actually happening. And they would like, people got the fuck out of town because of it. Wild. But yeah, I mean, what happens when somebody creates one of the president of the United States and they yep. say like, yeah, we're attacking this country and it's actually not happening at all. Yeah. I don't think we're, I don't think we're prepared at all for that. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how you regulate it. Like, I don't know how you like the, 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 the porn stuff is easy. As far as I'm concerned, if you're distributing anything like that, like, like like come down hard on whatever company or individual that's doing it the other stuff though because it's like if it is done in jest and if it is done in a company like those joe rogan videos are clearly over the top like silly right yeah no one would ever take those videos as like a real video right um and it's all done in a way that is like very very silly but like yeah what happens if someone all of a sudden tries to use it for like a malicious purpose. It, like we don't have, we're not in any way, shape or form prepared. Yeah. And you know, I, I think there's probably an alternative that YouTube and other streaming sites, Twitter and Facebook, if Twitter wants mm -hmm. to actually do anything, Instagram, they can probably put a number of like watermarks on the pages and they can yeah. effectively run like an AI program that can determine whether it's real or fake. And they can put a big sticker on the front of it and say that you, this is bullshit. 
that's an interesting thing that maybe they would require maybe a, like an automatic watermark if they're doing any mm-hmm. type of AI thing. That actually might be a good idea. Yeah, but I, I think the the Chat GPT stuff. I'm curious to dig in because a lot of it is just prompt driven. Yeah. A lot of the text generators and stuff like that, you have to create prompts for that to respond to. Right. And I'm really curious to see what Kevin Ruse, the guy from the New York Times, the kind of prompts that he was putting in. He was trying to have a conversation with something that is not in a position where you can have a conversation with it yet. And okay. like you can say like, give me the top five best restaurants in New York City. It will spit out the top five. But if you try to have a conversation with it, it kind of melts down and doesn't mm. really know what to do. And again, like this is old people like, oh, my God, cell phones and televisions. Mm-hmm. Like this is also a really efficient way to like spell check shit and like get answers to questions that you need. And I think you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it the way that The New York Times did and try to like fuck with it and break it. Or you can be like, hey can you proofread this and give me APA citations for it? There was, um, there was one person who was like, um, was talking with, I think it's like Bing's uh, chat. So Bing, Microsoft purchased the API for chat GPT to feed into Bing. Got it. And like, it was getting aggressive and rude with the Mm -hmm. person. It's like, you're wasting my time. Like they, there was someone who was arguing. I think the chat GPT was trying to argue that it was 2022 we were still in 2022 and they're like no it, it's 2023 and like it was getting like catty and like you're wasting my fucking time you're wasting my time right now like it's clearly 2022 and it's like it kind of has like personality like it does have a bit of a personality which is very bizarre to me well the thing behind that like you can't chat gpt on its own is like the the amount of data that they were able to drop into it ends at 2021. So it thinks that it's still 2022 because it hasn't had mm. that upload yet of current events and things like that. I, I think that's where the problem is. But again, like I'm not a programmer. I just, I followed along with some of the stuff that OpenAI has done. I follow their Discord page as well. And they provide a lot of information in there. Like, you can be a dick and try to fuck with it like that. In the same way that you can go onto like the AT&T website and fuck with, fuck with their chat bot in there as well. But ultimately like this also could be really productive if you, there's stupid shit at work that you need to do, but you don't want to waste your time doing it. You can just have that do it instead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a lot of good that can come out of it, but it's like I th- I just don't know if we have all the necessary um all the necessary components to like control it. So like like we're kind of in the early internet days with it to where it's like mm-hmm. some people could use it for bad and some, you know, or you can just use it, yeah, like you said, do a spell check and give me a APA um citations, but I don't know. Yeah, so I think we're still, as a society, we don't know what to do with it yet because it's new and scary. But over time, I think it'll start to be a a more effective tool for what productivity-wise. And I think, you know, 
Andrew Yang has said some shit in the past, but I think this is the kind of like work replacement that he's referring to less. So like machines in a factory. Yeah. I like, cause this can, this can automate a lot of things. So, I mean, if you can like run a script to pretty much tell it to, to automate something like could take out a lot of jobs easily. Yeah. So. I mean, you can have it, do coding you can have it like mm-hmm. write an email for you that you yep. don't want to personally write yep. um there's a number you can do math algorithms in there as mm-hmm. well like there's a number of things you can do it but ultimately you can be like the guys at the new york times and be like <laughs> make it say penis <laughs> <laughs> oh, say <man>. boobies <laughs> oh, i did it <laughs> like when you, when you would do the numbers on a calculator and then turn it around and said boobies <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it, it is the 2023 version of that absolutely um let's move on to sports how about that sure um so the we last do, thing uh, super bowl yeah let's talk about the super bowl mm-hmm. are you all in on turf gate <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. Apparently, the groundskeeper is a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. Oh yeah. Fucking stupid. Um, I overall number one, it was a great game. I was one of the better Super Bowls I've seen in recent years. The Eagles lost, which makes it fucking fantastic for me. Um, I'm very happy for Mahomes. I want I want him to uh, succeed. He's one of those guys that I like. I like seeing succeed. I'm happy for uh, Travis Kelsey as well. Um, not happy for Kadarius Tony, but whatever it is, it's in the past at this point. Overall, I, I enjoyed it. It was a it was a really good game, and uh, I'm I'm actually like surprised that people are making such a big deal out of the the turf thing because I think like both people both teams are going to feel the effects of that. It's not like one team is immune from slipping on bad turf, and Arizona's known for having bad turf. And uh, so I think it was the way they prepared it. It's actually real grass, though. Am I wrong? No, it's real, except it's a new strain of grass. And okay. it was funny that Oklahoma State is where it was created and they grew it. And before the game started, they were trying to take a ton of credit for it. Like this grass mm. took years to develop and cultivate. And it was grown for two years. And then you get out there and it's just a fucking ice rink. And they've been real quiet ever since then. But yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's copium though. Like that's the problem is that the Eagles, the Eagles truly melted down, and for all of the slippage and stuff like that that happened, like the guy who was the defensive coordinator did not make any adjustments. Their mm-hmm. offensive, their defensive line did absolutely nothing, and they just let Travis Kelsey and those two other guys just run free the whole time, mm-hmm. and like I don't. It's hard to win a game when your defense is just basically like a warm body out there. Jonathan Gannon, who got the Arizona head coaching job, um, yeah, I would argue like the the slippage had nothing to do with it. Dan Orvlowski, uh had a great great segment. Um, shout out to NFL Live; they're they're a great crew. Um, he was showing that they were playing this like zone defense. And essentially what was happening was anytime that Kansas city motioned a receiver in line, mm-hmm. the, the safety would essentially kind of move down to the other side. So like the corner would drop down and the safety would move over. So when they, when they shifted them over, 
like the receiver kind of ran out and then ran back out to the empty space. And they they ran it twice in a row and they literally did the same shift. And that was the Kadarius Tony touchdown. Like, how is he wide open? The next drive, they literally did it again. They did the one play where it was like they did the motion. He saw the defense react and he threw it away because he was like, okay, they did it. They ran the same exact fucking play and it was wide open. Sky Moore was wide open. So literally like and apparently um, your boy, Eric Bieniemy, was credited with noticing that trend. Uh, shout out to new commanders slash assistant head coach Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I mean, I I think they the Chiefs deserve a ton of credit for all the things they were able to do, and I think that's the that's ultimately the thing. Like they got production from guys who they did not get production for for most of the year. Like Isaiah mm-hmm. Pacheco ran that whole game like a beast. Sky Moore was kind of a non-factor throughout the entire season because there were other guys that were able to do it. But when injuries came, they were able to show up. Juju Smith-Schuster showed up too. He basically stole money from them all year. And, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a fucking monster. I don't care what anybody says. Like They proved the point that they don't need Tyreek Hill. Like, it's nice to have Tyreek Hill, but, like, I'd much rather have a an elite quarterback than elite receivers at this point. Give me. But didn't we talk about that? Yeah. Didn't we didn't we talk about that at the beginning of the year? Like when mm-hmm. you have like these number ones that leave these teams. In some cases, the quarterbacks perform better because they're not like locked in on one guy. Patrick yeah. Mahomes be great this year. I've made the argument that I think Daniel Jones actually would be worse off with a because, uh, like, if you historically, if you look at him at Duke and if you look at him in the first few years, never really had a number one receiver in any case. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to argue that he'd be worse off with a talented player, but like, I do think there is an added pressure when you have a top tier. Like, if you have Devonte Adams, he wants the ball ten times a game. You're gonna have to fit that ball in. Like he's gonna get mm-hmm. safety over the top. He's gonna get press co- press corners uh, up in his face. You better find a way to get him that ball. So it's not as like you just kind of following your reads. It's like you do have to sometimes force feed, and that can lead to interceptions. I think that's what led to Derek Carr kind of having a rough go this year. Was obviously number one, Josh McDaniels' offense is way too complicated. Uh, but like he had to force the ball to Devonte Adams a lot. So. Um, I think that kind of led to it, but I want to shift. Um, so I mentioned Eric Bieniemy. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, obviously, an upgrade. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Um, I think this is a huge win for the Commandos because they got a guy who should be a head coach and is not for some reason. Mm-hmm who's now going to be the one who completely runs the offense and completely runs the show. And is probably going to be the one who's going to be asked to be the head coach. Once they fire Ron Rivera by week eight. Um, I think it's a huge win. There's no, I, if you're looking for like a contrarian point here, I don't have one. Frankly, this guy Mm -hmm. should have been a coach a long time ago. I don't know Mm -hmm. a guy's like the defensive coordinator for the cart for the, Eagles, I don't know how he gets the job with the Cardinals given how Shane badly Stetchen they too. did. Shane Stetchen too. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how these guys get head coaching jobs on a losing effort. 
And I think the enemy is going to shock some people. I think a lot was made of him not calling plays when in reality, there's a lot of offensive coordinators that don't call plays and are not in a position to do that. Like John Nick, Harbaugh, Nick Sirianni, the coach of the Eagles, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Colts under Frank Reich did not call plays. Matt Nagy didn't call plays either. Yep. A, per, a better example of that. Joe judge. Um, did Joe judge call plays? He just called the, pizza place <laughs> um I mean, yeah john harbaugh he was a special teams coach never yeah. called plays like yeah. none of this matters and nope. i think there was a lot of speculation of him not calling plays as to like him not being that good of a coordinator and andy reed was covering for him and then there was a lot that was made of like well andy reed's trying to push him out like andy reed knows that the only way that eric the is going to get a job is, is if he's not there anymore and he's trying right. to gas him up for people to pay attention to him. Yeah. And it's weird because like in what world would the NFL in the NFL, which is one of the most competitive businesses out there, right? Like competitive sports. You think that he's keeping him along for charity? Right. Like, I mean, come on. Like, and apparently, I think this was his 15th interview overall. So mm -hmm. he's been on a lot of interviews and he's just never gotten a job. And it's very weird to me because, like, again, like, at the end of the day, production is production, right? All right, maybe he doesn't interview all that well. There, there's, I can't imagine Nick Sirianni interviewed very well because if you watch his initial press conference, it is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Absolute nightmare. We're going we're gonna to focus on teams and um, um, we're going to execute and, and uh, the teams. And it's like, it, it, was, it was like 50 minutes of that. But like, yeah, he's a good coach. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But what I find interesting, though, is I'm, I'm actually excited about this as a Giants fan because I, I, I don't know if I'm excited about it, but I'm excited as a enemy guy because I, I am a fan of him. Um, He's finally because like Rivera is a defensive head coach, so he's going to be running the offense like it will be his. The assistant and full head control over it too. full yeah. control. Um. It is going to be interesting to see how he does because this is going to be finally we're going to see are were people really dumb and not like giving him the job, um, or is he going to you know be one of the, like a Matt Nagy to a guy who takes over you know a team and is not able to get it done? It's just going to be an interesting case study. Um, I'm really interested to see where it goes. Now, uh, the assistant head coach thing is interesting because if Rivera does fizzle halfway through the year, I wouldn't be shocked if you, like you said before, they kind of just push him out and go, all right, Eric, show us what you got. Um, I, so it I'm is a curious. Bit of, it, yeah. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, well, I was going to say, I think there is a strong likelihood that that can happen. And yeah. the reason why I say that is because in all likelihood, that team will have new ownership by, next month or the following. Right. So right. the new owners, whoever they may be, they're not going to be tied to Ron Rivera. And frankly, yeah. three winning seasons out of 12 as a head coach, like you might be a culture guy, but my man, your culture ain't winning. And yeah. mm -hmm. they had a run to the Super Bowl and they got bounced pretty hard in that game. So I, yeah. I think that Ron Rivera starting – week one hell starting in like the preseason he's coaching for his job and if he's not able to get it done there then he's pretty much he's going to be out 
Because I think there's enough talent on this team from the wide receiver positions to the running backs to the defense. If they stick with Sam Howell and let him just like grow and develop and just be a contributor and not expecting him to come out and like light the world on fire. Mm-hmm. I think there is enough space in the NFL right now where they can find their way into the playoffs. Like I, I the NFC East is still a bit of a question mark because you don't know what the hangover is going to be for the Eagles. They're losing a bunch of guys as well. We'll see what happens with the giants too. And Cowboys will always lose in December. So, <laughs> so um, I am a little upset. Because, yeah, because I'm with you that the Eagles are kind of set for a drop back, mainly because of the fact that yes, they are going. They lost Shane Stetchen. They lost Jonathan Gannon, and Jalen Hurts is a free agent at the end at this year. So now, forty five to fifty million a year is going to be going to him. Bradbury is a free agent. <clears throat> TJ Edwards is a free agent. Um, I think Jaron Hargrave is a free agent. So, and you know, the defense is getting older, but they do have a top 10 pick. But apparently, they're meeting with Jim Leonard today um, for the defensive coordinator position, uh, former uh, safety in the NFL. He's now the defensive coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers. Man, that would be a good fucking hire. I hate Howie mm-hmm. Roseman. I, and this is a compliment. I just, I hate him uh, because he's just such a good GM. It, it pisses me off. Um, but yeah, so how, so, all right, Sam Howell, we've seen one game in in my veins, my man, in my fucking veins, I'm a little skeptical about whether or not they're going to commit to him. I think they're going to want Anthony Richardson. It just seems like a guy that they're going to want to get that cannon arm, you know, can make plays on the run. I, Howell's, you know, but I, I I don't know if they're going to want to invest all their eggs into a Howell, you know. I don't, I just don't know. I feel like it's just weird thing I'm getting that I think Anthony Richardson would kind of fit what they want to do. Yeah, I could see. I could see that happening. Um, two things, though. If you were to ask where are the liabilities on this team, it's in the offensive line. It's in the quarterback room and probably at the linebacker position. Right. So linebackers are not, unless you have like a star star talent, you're probably not going to draft that person in the top 10 and you could probably find some guys that can just cover. Um, Well, linebacker. Yeah. You don't really draft those high unless it's like a Patrick Wallace type where you're like, or Luke Keekley type where you're like, right. He's special. Um. Offensive line, they need new people. They need new bodies on that area because they've been banged up for years. Um, Then quarterback is one that I think it's really dependent on what kind of team you want to build. Do you think this team can make a deep run right now? You, They're probably going to go out and buy a veteran. I don't know who's out there that would really make a difference. Like who is out there? That I don't think so. I, I think that ship has sailed. They were not even playing well with him in San Francisco when he was playing. The other alternative is potentially Derek Carr. I don't see him going there. I think he wants to go to a stable team, and I don't think the commanders are that team. I think uh, the Jets are the Saints are probably where he's going to go. I would lean towards the Saints at this point, at this moment. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, and I think Richardson has some upside, but you're effectively drafting the same player as Sam Howell, just higher. And I, when I yeah. say same player, 
developmentally in the same place. Like sure. guys that came out of college pretty raw, need some time to sit. Richardson is not going to be your day one starter. He might not even be your year two starter. I think if this team wants to like grow something organically, they're going to, they're going to draft some offensive linemen. They'll probably keep Sam Howell. They might sign a veteran Taylor Heineke, maybe just to stick around. You guys need corners. I feel like corner. If you guys don't go for like a big take, I think corner. It's a very good corner class too. From my yeah, opinion. and and I don't. They had one of the Fuller kids, Kendall Fuller. He played really well, but I also don't think he's, he's a slot guy. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not like long for that team. Yeah. And I think he was playing out of position because they had so many injuries. Like he played really well against the Cowboys the last game of the year, where he picked off. Um, he could have gotten one pick off of. Dak and then the exact same play right after that, he got his pick six for the year. So yeah, there's, there's holes that need addressing and they also have to sign some of these guys too. They need to figure out what the deal is with Deron Payne. And if chase young is somebody they want to invest a lot of money into right now, how do you feel about, cause Deron Payne's more of the run stuffer and Allen is the guy who has more pass rushing chops and you got sweats coming up too. So it's only so much money you can't like. This is the problem with when you look when you draft when you cluster draft like that. It can have some great moments, but then eventually the chickens come home to roost, right? And the you have to start paying these guys. Where do you lean with Deron Payne? Because like he's gonna get at worst fifteen million a year at worst. Because like Jonathan Allen. Montez Sweat. I think they've already paid Allen. I think they've paid Allen already. Um. Well, yeah. Okay. So even if they have, though, because like you got again, you have to just start doing the math, right? It's like yeah. how how many how much money can you really invest, especially if it yeah if it, if you give him um they yeah four years seventy two for so that's eighteen a year for Allen. So eighteen. Probably another 18, 19 for Payne. That's 40 million right there. Then you're not counting Montez Sweat. And then if Chase Young has, like, I don't know what you guys are going to do about his option, but if you don't exercise his option and, like, let him play out his last year and then he goes out there and he just runs roughshod over people, you're going to have a Daniel Jones situation on your hand. Yeah. Certainly a tricky situation here. My my fear too is like how much money are you willing to collectively drop into one component of your defense? Like could very easily be a very expensive defensive front line. But what happens if these guys start getting hurt all at the same time? You've now got money sunk into guys. Chase Young being a guy who's effectively missed a full year and then yeah. some. Had, so, had the rehab and then like, like came got hurt back again. And was not ready. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm not it's sure. A, I mean, I, I I think that will be a problem for the new administration when they come in, and hopefully whoever buys the team gets some competent people in there to figure out how to make that work. Mm -hmm. Um. Because I mean, Cam Curl is coming up as well too. He's another guy who. He's the safety. He's probably one of the best players that they have on the team. That's kind of underrated. Yeah. Terry McLaurin's going to have to get paid at some point. Did he not get paid? 
Um, he got an extension. I don't know if it I'm was. Pretty, this I'm pretty year sure he got or... a contract. Or am I wrong? I might be wrong. Yeah, no, three years, sixty-eight, which is actually like pretty decent. Because like you can pretty much get out of it, um, I believe, in twenty twenty-five. But most likely, you'd probably just rip it up next year and just say, mm-hmm. "Let's tack five more years on." So yeah. Yeah, it's tough, man. Because um, like, this is the issue the Giants are having now. Because I don't know if you've heard, but Daniel Jones apparently fired his agent. I heard that. Yeah, and, yeah, is moving. So that only happens when you essentially get offered numbers, and you're, mm-hmm. I guess his his team was like, "Here's the contract we think you should sign." He goes, "No, I'm not signing that." And then he's like, "I'm going to go with somebody else." And he's going with, uh, I think, I think athletes first. He went, which is like. Dax agent who just got that mega deal, you know, all these other quarterbacks that are getting these mega deals. And I'm leaning towards here at this point, put the non-exclusive tag on him. And if someone wants to sign him and give us two first round picks for him, which is not going to happen, but let him set his own market. Let him go out there and talk to teams. And I'm not opposed to letting both him and Saquon both walk. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think too, to be honest with you, like, he might be reading a little too much into the own his own hype at this point. Like if if you want to demand what was what was the asking price that he was looking for? So the tag amount, the franchise tag is 32 million. So that's where the negotiation kind of starts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going under 32 million. Anybody who thinks it's going under that is insane. Apparently, the Giants want to get him around 35 to 37, which is above market, but not resetting the quarterback market. Mike Florio of uh, Pro Football Talk has said that apparently he's looking for 45 plus. And I'm not interested. For in a year? 45 million a year. Nah, dog. I think if he wants to do like, if he wanted to do, I think five one eighty five, I think that would work. That's 37 per year. Guarantee maybe the first few years. Like, give him pretty much three years of runway. And pretty much tell him, like, hey, if you go out and perform this contract, we'll rip it up after two years and we'll give you 50. But the five years allows them to spread the cap a little bit easier. So, essentially, you can kind of push the money, the the cap, a little bit back so that they could keep his number low and then re-sign Saquon, re-sign whoever, go after some free agents and not be hampered down. Kind of like what the Chiefs do with Pat Mahomes. Like they just keep mm-hmm. pushing the money back further and further because who cares, right? Yeah. But like the problem with – I'd rather him play on the cat, play on the tag, but like it's $32 million and it's all – in this year, you can't spread it any which way. It's literally 32 million on the books, and that's not easy to deal with. So there has been apparently some reluctance about tagging him. I'm again, Sa- Saquon can walk as far as I'm concerned. I'm not giving him 16 million a year. Yeah, I mean, I think they're in a bind right now, and this is kind of the the nightmare scenario for you because you wanted him to play just good enough for the team to be productive, but not good enough to like essentially hamstring the team 
I agree with you. I, I think they should say, all right, you think you can get a better deal somewhere else? Like we're going to, we're going to place the one of the tags. Tag. Yeah. We're going to place that on you. Go out and shop some deals. If you can find yep. something better. I think he's going to find out really quick that there's two kinds of teams that are out there. One, like a 500 team that's not willing to pay that kind of money for him. Mm-hmm. Who he might be a difference maker for them or the really bad teams that are willing to pay whatever he wants, but you're going to be three and 14 every year. Have fun. Like you can get a job. You can get a job with the Texans. The question is, you want it. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing. So the non, the way the non-exclusive tag works um, for anybody who doesn't know, essentially what it does is it's a, it's a tag. So the giants retain ownership of his rights. He can go to the Houston Texans, for example, and he can work out, he can meet, he can go to the facility, he can meet the coaches, he can talk numbers. They will sign a deal, right? So he signs a deal for 40 million a year, right? So he gets whatever, four years, um, 160 million, right? What essentially happens at that point is that contract, word for word, literally everything to the exact is sent to the New York Giants. The New York Giants get, I think, 72 hours to review it, or I think it's maybe five days to read it over and decide if they want to match it. If they decide to match it, they retain ownership. See you later, Texans. You're done. If they don't, the Texans get Jones and we would get two first round picks from that team. So it's kind of like the restricted free agents in the NBA, right? Kind of. Yeah. But in this scenario, I still think that there's an ability for you to be like, a sign and trade. So essentially you would remove the tag. He would sign a deal and then you can trade him. There's wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't think anybody's going to spend two first round picks on Daniel Jones, but no, I it's not bad to go, let him go set his market. If he goes out there and some team is willing to give him 50 million a year, have fun, man. Enjoy. But I don't think there's a team out there that will. Yeah. I, and and I'm just trying to I'm racking my brain right now for teams that might be in the market like the Houston, Buccaneers, maybe Bucks, maybe they're 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 like fifty million over the cap, so they can't even afford um to sign him. Panthers, he is from Charlotte, so maybe Frank yeah, Reich. But I think Frank Reich they have they're in a position to get like a quarterback, and I don't know if they want to buy somebody else's garbage. If the Saints miss out on Derek Carr, maybe. That's another um, team, though. It's in a tricky spot, though. Like we're talking about, like, com- yeah, yeah, completely depleted team too, and it's expensive. I don't know. There's not really a ton of options out there. Like last year Commanders. was probably the best. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, if they're in a position where they can draft a quarterback and they already have somebody, like they're not in a position to get one of the top three guys unless something yeah. catastrophic happens, like. Will Levis is found with like the Laramie Tunsil fucking gas mask. <laughs> the um, Colts could the Colts could be an uh, could be a team that might be because they are they're kind of on the border right now. They need they have a lot of really good players that are like getting older. Um, they could look at a guy like Jones and say like he's the missing piece that we need. Honestly, for the fourth overall pick. Um, a chance to maybe get, you know, um, 
Stroud or Bryce Young or or Richardson um, on a rookie scale contract. Um, I'm not necessarily against it. Mr. Seven Button, is Tom Brady going to New England? No, he will be. Uh, he already think he filed his retirement papers, so I think he's done. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't really mean a ton, but I don't think he's going anywhere. It, it doesn't, and, but I, I think he's I think he's done. I think he realizes he's done. I think I think if Bill Belichick was not the coach there, I think he'd go back. <laughs> well, with with um what's his name coming back? Bill O'Brien, Billy O'Brien coming back. Um, there is a, a renewed optimism, at least in my mind. I think Mac Jones is a buy low um in fantasy next year because you know, Bill Bill O'Brien's a great offense coordinator. He's just not good at trades or everything else. Everything else. <laughs> so I'm looking at USA Today's mock draft. They have CJ Stroud going fourth to the Colts. Mm-hmm. Which, um, yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, if I'm them, if I know that I'm going to be able to get Stroud at four granted, like you need to assume a lot of things happen. Nobody trades up and you know, there's nobody else that jumps out. Like I would prefer to go with that guy rather than going one, two, three, four years in a row where they bought somebody else's quarterback and it hasn't worked for them. Yeah. I think that's the big thing that they're trying to be mindful of now is they've tried that three years in a row and it hasn't worked. I think there's a belief that they will probably try and move up to number one to get Bryce. Mm-hmm. Um, because he is kind of like Jalen Hurtsish in his ability to kind of um, maneuver off the run. Stroud, Stroud's an amazing quarterback. I'm I'm a big Stroud guy, but he's not really. He's a pocket passer through and through. He's he he's shown that he can do it. He can make plays outside the pocket, but he just never really did it. So it's right. like it's a question of like, can he do it? Levis to me, yeah. I'm not the biggest Levis fan. Of well, they don't even have him going in the top 10. Oh, they have Richardson going to the Falcons at eight. Will Levis going to the Panthers at nine. Mm-hmm. And then he's been connected to the Panthers a lot. Yeah. Your dude, Quentin Johnston, going to the Titans at 11. Love, love Quentin Johnston. Um, I honestly, I'm controversial. It might change, but Richardson's QB2 for me. Interesting. Say more. Mm-hmm. Stroud, QB1. I think he's just a, the most natural passer. Um, I like Bryce, but I'm going to knock him. I think I like somebody compared him to Steph Curry, and I think it's actually kind of a perfect comparison. He's magical. Um, he's Mahomes-like, but he's 185 pounds soaking wet. I. This is Bryce Young, right? Yeah. I, he looks I, small on TV. He's skinny. And like we're seeing with Kyler and we're seeing it with, you know, um, we saw it with RG3. It's a great example. RG3, smallish guy, easily hurt and took a lot of big hits too. Like the little guys, the hits look huge on them. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I like can he unless he keeps himself clean, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not a, I am not bought into, I'm not bought into Bryce Young. I think CJ Stroud is going to have a better career. I'm curious to see what happens with Anthony Richardson. He needs to go to a team though, that's willing to invest in him and not just throw him out there and like, Hey, go look busy. 
But yeah. if he goes to Atlanta, I think that there are weapons there in a way I'm, that are that is better than what Chicago is for um, Justin Fields. Like they have nothing there. At least in Atlanta, they have some receivers that can catch. Do do we really think they're going to give up on Desmond Ritter right away? He showed. When did they draft last year? Second, no, he's a second rounder. Is he really? He was a second rounder last year. He he actually looked pretty good. He wasn't great, but like Atlanta sucks. They don't have anything. They traded away. Calvin Ridley was suspended. They traded him away later on, and like Kyle Pitts tore his ACL. What? Who do they have? Um, who is the guy from USC? He was on your fantasy team. Receiver or Drake London? He's the only guy. Yeah, and he and he was he was banged up a little bit throughout the year. So yeah, I, I'm um, huge huge Drake London fan. Yeah, I mean, and I also like Desmond Ritter too. He was a third round pick, trending into the fourth round. But I think the thing that's going to make Anthony Richardson appealing is the tools like the the potential of anthony richardson is far more alluring than the reality of a desmond ritter or what is on all likelihood going to happen with an anthony richardson where you need everything to go right for him to be successful and if it doesn't he can be a guy who's going to end up struggling i mean he could be fantastic but he did not have a lot of great moments at florida this past year and i think that's going to this is when he should have started to grow. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of go back and forth on it because when I see a guy who makes the throws that he makes, like there's just too much talent there. Like if he was to go to the Giants with Brian Dable and Kafka, and if it's just fixing his mechanics, if it's just the mechanics that are leading to some of those bad throws – because he makes some throws that some guys couldn't dream of making. Mm-hmm. So I'm always willing to bet because if you look at Josh Allen, right? I know that's going to be the comp that everybody makes and I, I get why. At the end of the day, if you look at those two guys, if you think Richardson in a two years from now could be Josh Allen-esque, you take the chance because there's not many guys that are built like that. You can't teach a Mac Jones how to be that you know yeah well if if that's the case and as a giants fan do they move up and try to get somebody like that and basically say to daniel jones like if you want to be this expensive then you can be expensive somewhere else we're gonna find somebody who has takes your tools and like ratchets them up to 10 right if i'm a team like the giants and you need to build a team around like a star quarterback and you have a coach that has already proven to build who has clearly shown that he can build quarterbacks and make them successful. I would trade up and say, fuck it and try to bring somebody in. Honestly, like I, as a giants fan, like I'm, I would love the idea of getting a guy like Anthony Richardson. I, like they're nowhere. Like they'd have to make a trade, obviously. But I'm just saying that, like him with a Brian Dable and a Mike Kafka, I like the the to me the possibilities are endless. Like there's just not many. Like 
we always talk about like the guys like Justin Herbert, Mahomes, Rogers, like their abilities. You can't teach somebody how to do that. Like you can't look at a guy. Um, I would even argue like Levis. Like I don't see special qualities with him. Like I don't think he's like a lot of people have tried to compare him to Josh Allen. I don't see it. I know he lost a lot of talent um, from last year to this year, but and he didn't play that bad. But it's just like there's not many guys built like that. So you have if, if I'm more than willing to take a chance on a guy who shows that he could be special. He could fucking fail and be out of the NFL by two years. But I'm always willing to take the shot. Yeah, I mean. And if things go in the direction that we were talking about where the Colts are actually interested in Daniel Jones, it solves the the trade problem right there because if they were to sign if they were to sign Daniel Jones and the Giants get those two first round draft picks, whether they're next year and the year after, they could just package those and give them to a team that's at like six and be like, hey. Or even you can even justify go with Tyrod Taylor this year, stock up on picks for next year, and go all in on Caleb Williams or Drake May next year. True. Mm, yeah, I forgot about Juicy. Drake May. Juicy. Yeah. Juicy. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I think there's um, – it's going to be interesting. I can't wait for uh, free agency to start. Um, um, this is what's great about the NFL is that it's a year, year-round thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, all right, let's shift into another topic. We're going to dive into assholes and picks of the week soon. But before mm-hmm. we get into that, folks that are on the stream, do us a favor and give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow oh, us yeah. on Instagram and also jump into our Discord channel as well and tell us what we should be talking about every week. Um, we're looking to bring more guests on. So if you are a special person with special abilities and you have a large bank account and a solid urine sample, you're on the show. Congrats. Um, but one of the folks in our discord asked us to talk about Bruce Willis and he has been diagnosed with a uh, frontotemporal dementia, which um, obviously is not a good thing. And there was some conversations around him not being able to speak and him starting to fail med- like his health starting to fail. But, Nate in the discord asked us if we can talk about some of our favorite Bruce Willis movies. He's got some real bangers. He's got some real shit movies as well. Um, But I think we should spend some time talking about Bruce Willis. The guy is a legend. He's done so much good work and I am going to kick us off with a movie that I think everyone should watch and see. Um, frankly, because it's just a wild movie, 12 monkeys completely out of just a weird movie. It's came out in 1995, Brad Pitt's in it too. It's got a, like a sci-fi feel to it. A lot of time travel in there, but it's, it's a winner. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to go with the most obvious one. He's only a bit part in it, and uh, it's uh, 13 Monkeys. Uh, <laughs> have you seen 13 Monkeys, though? Is that real? I don't know if that's a real thing. Um, I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction. Also, I would recommend to anyone, um, Tom Segura 
and Bert Kreischer do a podcast called Two Bears, One Cave. It is on available mm-hmm. to watch on YouTube as well. Um, they have been doing like tours recently. So Quentin Tarantino actually sat in with Segura uh, one episode and he told the story about how Bruce Willis got cast into Pulp Fiction. He wanted to play Vincent Vega. And it was like a whole, like, you know, I'm not going to do it justice by telling you. I recommend to give it a watch. It's really, really, really uh, interesting. He's just a fucking wacky dude. I love listening to Quentin Tarantino. But to me, I'm glad he played Butch because I think he, like, brought something to that part. Um, It's arguably my favorite movie ever. And I think his segment is one of my favorites, too. Yeah, I... I think that's for me, it seems like Bruce Willis was kind of riding the 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 diehard a little bit, the wave of that, and it started to dip. And then he got back into Paul fiction and just went right through the roof again. And I think that's it really did not stop after that. Another movie, a couple of movies, like some real quick hits that I've always really enjoyed was The Siege plays not necessarily the main character in that because that's Denzel Washington. Tears of the Sun um, is another one, the whole nine yards. And I mean, he's just got, he's got bangers, real bangers. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Lucky Number Slevin. It yes. was a movie that came out in like 2007. I don't know if it holds up uh, in this day and age. Uh, because I have not seen it in like 20 years. I I guarantee I watched it a million times around there. It was right around when I graduated high school. I was obsessed with it. Uh, Mr. Seven Button said Sin City, absolutely. Um, yep. That movie rules. Did not like the sequel, though. I will say that. Um, Looper. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Looper. That was a sneaky good movie. Who was the it director really of that? I somebody believe- Somebody famous directed that. Um, fuck. Is that Villanueva? Is that Dennis Villanueva? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Wow. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, I'd argue Moonrise Kingdom. If you've never seen Moonrise Kingdom, I love that fucking movie. I, you know, I will pretty much, I'll pretty much, um, that's like, that was one of the weird moments in which he was kind of like making good movies, but then making some shit movies too. So, like, it was kind of a weird, I think it was, like, early, like, 2010 to 2012, because, like, not that much later, he was doing, like, Death Wish remake and all that. I'd argue Unbreakable, I think, is a real classic. Um, my favorite at night movie. Sixth Sense. Um, I'm not, I, I like Unbreakable better than The Sixth Sense. Controversial as me. Interesting. I mean, you're wrong, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you also have the Die Hard films too. Like one, two. I was gonna get to three. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the best Christmas movie of all time. I don't give a fuck that Bruce Willis said it's not a Christmas movie. It's a fucking Christmas movie, and it's the best Christmas movie. He doesn't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. He there was the roast of Bruce Willis, and at the end, he goes, "I'm gonna say it loud and clear: Die Hard's not a fucking Christmas movie." And I'm like, "You're wrong." I'm that person needs to be thrown in jail. It's, it's a Christmas movie, but yeah, I, um, I'm sorry. Mr. Seven button said a movie. I I missed it. 
Um, Violent Night. Violent Night. Does is Bruce Willis in that? Is not. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, oh, for Christmas movies. Oh, okay, I, I see what he's saying. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. Actually, I, I actually have not watched. I love David Harbor though. So, um, yeah, Die Hard. Like to me, I've never. I don't think I've really ever. I think I've seen Die Hard two once. I think I've seen Die Hard: The Vengeance once. I've never seen Live Free or Die Hard. But the classic. I, I watch it every fucking Christmas. I watch it every single time. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, it's hard to believe that the person that we grew up with, like watching all these really good movies is now starting to age out. And I don't know if he's going to be around for that much longer, but it makes me sad. Okay. I'm going to play a little game. Okay. Bruce Willis movie or chat GPT generated title. You ready? Hit me. Midnight switchgrass. Bruce Willis movie, or that is that an automated movie made by ChatGPT? It's got to be a Bruce Willis movie. It is a Bruce Willis movie. Gasoline Alley. Bruce Willis movie be. or ChatGPT? Bruce Willis movie. It is a Bruce Willis movie. White Elephant. Bruce Willis movie or Chat Bruce Willis GPT? movie. It is, in fact, a Bruce Willis movie. If you're not getting the game here, these are all fucking Bruce Willis movies. I will I'll, say though, his last like ten years has been um, paycheck films. I think uh, some people have mentioned that like people were kind of using him um, during his like down periods because like apparently he's like not he's been like you know it's cognitive loss obviously. So I, I am sad to hear that, but these names are just ridiculous. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Breach. Hard kill. 10 minutes gone, survive the night out of death. How do you be out of death? How does like one be these... out of death? Fortress Sniper's Eye? Trauma Center. First kill. Airstrike. Cold Wider Light of Day. Room? Precious oh, Cargo. Man. He's in a movie with Kevin Dillon. Oh, Ooh. no. Is that Johnny Drama? Yeah. Victory! Wrong place with Ashley Green and Bruce Willis. I don't know oh, who Lord. the fuck Ashley Green is, but who the who is Texas Battle, and why does this person keep showing up in these movies? <laughs> Texas Battle? Corrective hard... measures? I'm going to say right now, Michael... Texas Battle is a... That name goes hard. Yeah. My, that's... my name is Texas Battle? Didn't he play football? Maybe. Let me go back to that real quick. Um, I think there are some absolute fucking nobodies in these movies, though. Yeah, it's always like Chad Michael Murray. And Uh, yes, he is. He is, in (laughs) fact, in um, Fortress Sniper's Eye. (laughs) Fortress Sniper's Eye. American Siege. None of those words are in the Bible, by the way. Who the fuck is Timothy Murphy? I don't know. Who are these people? Corrective, De- corrective measures. Vendetta. Yeah. Gasoline, is- gasoline, gasoline Alley might be my favorite name. Matthew Marsden? Who is that? 
I don't know. These are like, these are the names of people that when you scroll down in Madden to like all the yeah. free agents, these <laughs> the are the creative names. <laughs> <laughs> these are all the creative players. Apex. What the fuck? These are just dog shit movies. This movie Apex made $11,984. It's like, why do they keep making them? I don't know. In like these wrong place made $71,000. I don't like who's paying corrective measures. $17,750. Crazy. Hmm. Hmm. He was in a movie with John Travolta and Steven Dorf. Steven Dorf. And Blake Jenner. I don't know who that is. Blake. I think that's one of, uh, the Jenner, Jenner's, yeah, songs. The, the Jenner children, yeah. Detective Knight Redemption, Redemption. Lachlan Monroe, I don't know. The fuck I, Bruce Willis had a reputation for being very difficult. Uh, Kevin Smith can like has told multiple stories about doing cop out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, the guy is a movie star, so you give uh, you give major props to a guy like that. Yeah, I think you have to. And frankly, I think if there is an actor or actress that is not difficult to work with, I will die of shock because they all seem to be incredibly challenging individuals. Um, I want to go back to Midnight in the Switchgrass with Megan Fox, Emile Hirsch, Bruce Willis. That's actually a pretty decent cast for a movie like that. (laughs) $97,000. Oh, boy. Um, and Sylvester Stallone's daughter was in it too. I listen. I'm gonna be respectful here. Sylvester Stallone's daughters. Lord of mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was also in a Chinese action war drama called Airstrike in 2018. I mean. That movie probably was a huge pay for him to just go to the set and look busy. China. Yeah. But yeah, these movies just kind of started around. A lot of those movies that he's in, it's basically just him standing there and like just like being a, be, like being Bruce Willis, you know? Yeah. Just doing the John McClane thing. It seems like around 2012, these movies started. I assume that's probably when he started, like, probably having symptoms. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Bruce Willis. He was in Split, which made $278 million, which is nice. Good for him. Because Unbreakable fucking rules. That's why. Yeah. Um, and then. You can deny all you want, time, Tom. I, I, I feel like I haven't seen that movie in probably it's 20 great. years, and I need to see it again. Sam Jackson as the, like, evil superhero. Like, it was a superhero movie before superhero movies were even, like, popular. In That's this, true. In this so That's a good point. I, I, I loved it. I'm not yeah, a big M.I. channel on that either, so. Yeah, so I think what we'll do moving forward is every show we will go through all of the non-Bruce Willis hits and watch them. Um, 
that will be how we get us from this point to football season. Amen. <laughs> um, let's go to assholes. Q, let's do it. You go first. Oh God, I don't know if you've heard, but Facebook and Instagram um, are now going to have their own version of Twitter Blue. And Mark Zuckerberg apparently looked at the failing Twitter Blue subscriptions that Elon is trying to essentially force onto people now by removing uh, SMS, uh, you know, two-factor authentication unless you have Twitter Blue. Um, he's removing security stuff to basically force people to buy it. Now Zuckerberg is following suit with Facebook and Meta and, uh, and Instagram. It, it is a pathetic attempt to try and monetize these companies and ultimately, you're, no one is going to pay for social media. Like, it is one of those things that, number one, should not be a business in the first place. And I find it funny. I'm going to include Elon in, in this asshole of the week with Zuckerberg. Elon is ultimately trying to turn Twitter into a site where it's going to be all subscription-based stuff. What's interesting, though, is that the right, which Elon is a part of in this country at this moment has been trying to say that if you are banned off of off of Twitter, you're impeding my freedom of speech, right? How mm -hmm. is it a freedom of speech necessity to be able to have a Twitter account, but then at the same time, I now have to pay to have my freedom of speech? It is an insane thing to start pushing these subscription games because you know what the ultimate move is. The long-term move is to ultimately get everybody on a subscription model so they can monetize it because these companies don't make money, right? The only money that they really make are off any maybe government subsidies, which I don't know if that's even the case, or ads, which everybody fucking hates, but we deal with because we don't, we're not going to pay. I will never pay for Twitter. I will never pay for Instagram. I'd rather disconnect myself from that completely. Um, it's not that worthy, but like the fact that Mark Zuckerberg is looking at this and ultimately thinking that this is the avenue to go to is just insane. Yeah, I, um, I saw all of the noise around the two factor authentication stuff happen like late last week and the rationale for it is just stupid. He's like, well, all these companies are charging us because their text messaging services and they're charging us for all of these messages that are going, which are clearly spam requests. But he doesn't understand his own fucking product at this point. Like the reason why your Twitter account that has two-factor authentication, you're receiving spam or you're receiving text messages to verify your account is because someone's trying to fucking break into it, dummy. And I swear yeah, to God, he, how, saying how that, do like... you get this rich and be this <laughs> stupid? <laughs> he he's he's not a smart man he really is somebody he's somebody said on yeah somebody said on twitter he like he's definitely like pointing to a spreadsheet and looking at a number and he's like how can we cut this and that's what it sounds like and it surprises me that zuckerberg has jumped on this bandwagon but it doesn't surprise me too because how much money meta and facebook have lost with this like whole push for the metaverse and Dog, it's not going to happen. Stop trying to make it a thing. It's not. It's never going to happen. No one's going to want to buy fucking property in a 
fucking video game at this point. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Twitter if this will continue to push people off, particularly journalists who can't verify their accounts. My other question is, though, is like, how often are we logging into Twitter on our phones, though? Is that the issue? I don't know. I'm logged in. Like, is this going to change the login process? And like, people could ultimately get locked out of their account and like not be able to get back in. It's, it's mm-hmm. just a nightmare. I have a feeling this is going to be one of those things, though, that like you've seen the you I, I sent you that meme of the Elon cycle of ideas on Twitter where it's like, yeah, introduce idea. People hate it. Pull back on it. Try and reintroduce it. Like it's literally a circle. I think he's going to give up on it before. I think it's like a March 18th deadline. I think he's going to pull back on it. Yeah. I'm looking up some. How much has Twitter Blue made? Not a lot. It's not It's not covering any of their costs. I think like 21 million in subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> Needs some tweaks, but overall proceeding well. You're such a fucking dink, dude. I love how people are just replying to his tweets because, like, the thing that he will always constantly say is concerning. Like, Ian Miles Chong will fucking post some fucking Nazi shit and he'll be like, concerning. And, uh, or like looking into it because Cat Turd, yes, a real user named Cat Turd, who is a very famous conservative pundit, apparently a 65 year old man from Florida, perfect for the right. Um, like, yeah. he'll just reply <laughs> like, under his. Like, like he'll go, Elon, I'm being suppressed. My, I, I only got a hundred million mentions this time. Like I, I'm usually 200. He'll go looking into this. Like he's a personal IT guy for the right. It's so stupid. And he f- fired all those people at Twitter because he was mad that he wasn't getting any attention after the Super Bowl. Oh, and the Joe Biden like, thing. That was so funny. Yeah. Um, there's an article that came out about a week ago at this point, about two weeks ago. It says Musk is 10 million Twitter blue subscribers short of his goal. Dog, no one's going to pay for this. Like, why am I going to pay for this if it's free? And I, 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 there are a number of people that I know that are keep telling me that like, this is going to work out. Like Elon is just like, he's going to figure this out. I'm like, He's not like this is this is this is an ego trip now. When he this is a vanity those, project that yeah, that's ego. When, when he fired those engineers, everyone was like, huh, "I guess we didn't need them because Twitter's still going." And it's like now, if you like, it's so buggy now. It's constantly going down. There's constant refresh issues. You post something, it says like, you know, not able to post, and then it will literally like you'll hit it again. It said you already tweeted that. It, it is such a piece of shit app now. And it's like, this is exactly. And, but if you go to, if you watch his fanboys, they'll say it's the greatest, like it's better than ever now. Yeah. It's just such sad fucking dick riding. Yes. Twitter works the same now as it did eight months ago in the same way that a grocery store fundamentally still works. If nobody's fucking checking you out, like <laughs> I still can walk in. Just can't. Can't get anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm standing in line waiting for someone to fucking help me the whole time. So that's a good asshole of the week, but I'm going to do you one better. Um, I don't know if you saw pre Super Bowl um, that Baltimore Ravens documentary that ESPN had about the 2000 team. I recorded it. I have not watched it yet. 
So there was a section in there where Trent Dilfer was basically shitting on modern day quarterbacks and saying they have it so easy and anybody can play the game now. First and foremost, I think Trent Dilfer is a fucking idiot and he was probably one of the cringiest people on ESPN for whenever he was there. But Mm -hmm. I laugh at his take in the sense that he was effectively talking shit about modern day quarterbacks when he was probably the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. And, you know, probably one of the worst quarterbacks who had a nice shelf life in the NFL. I don't understand this like old mind, like, oh, the NFL's so hard now. Like, dog, just you were bad then. Like I I think I think it's a lot of bitterness, to tell you the truth. Yeah. It's, um it's it's a if you look at like career numbers for guys like John, even John Elway or Troy Aikman or whoever, um, you'd be surprised. Like a lot of interceptions, not a lot of touchdowns, barely hitting three thousand yards. I mean, like if John Elway, if you compare John Elway numbers to current day, he'd be like the thirty fifth ranked quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But also another thing that was not around back then was money. A lot of these guys did not get paid a lot. So I think a lot of that is like kind of bitterness towards like they didn't, they weren't playing during the heyday. They weren't playing during the past first. They weren't able to do that. But yeah, Trent Dilfer, I, Trent Dilfer is actually, I think, one of the smartest um, football analysts out there. Um, he's got a great football mind. But yeah, he also is a, a very kind of curmudgeon old guy. You know, who's like very much like back in my day. And it's like, bro, you were a god awful quarterback. Um, came out when he was coming out. I remember he was considered to be one of the better prospects, but like it was just one of those bad quarterback classes. Yeah. I mean, he was a six overall pick and he was just, yep. there was a lot of hype for him. And rightfully so. There was a lot of hype for a lot of those guys that played at Fresno State back then. I, you know, dog, you were just not good. And I think it it doesn't make them look better shitting on modern-day quarterbacks and sh- modern-day players like, hey, man, I mean, I understand it was a different game back then, but it wasn't that different. You know, you're, you threw 19 interceptions in a year. That would get anybody benched this time around. You completed... of your passes. And that was a career highlight. And the most passing yards that you had in a single season was 2,859. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like there were guys that were playing in that time frame that did way better than that. And on mediocre teams, just like the Tampa Bay um, Buccaneers at that point, I, I understand his point that the game, like, Actually, I don't understand his point because all the same, like you need to recognize talent and there were talented guys that played in the nineties and Trent Dilfer wasn't one of them. Like you're just not good. Like that's the problem. He had that. That was like Jamal Lewis at running back who was like priest Holmes was on that team too. Fuck man. That was a brutal Super Bowl for me as a young giants fan watching them just get decimated. Um, Man, Ray Lewis, just a monster. Yeah, they they had uh, what was it? What was it? he recently passed away? Um, the nose tackle, Sargusa, Tony Sargusa. Yeah. 
Um, just a just a monster team. They were that was one of the best defenses I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they were beasts. I don't know what to tell you. Like they were that. I don't think there was a team that had a collectively as good of a run as the Baltimore Ravens had from like 2000 to 2010, where their defense was just always good. They were just a consistently like 10 and six team and they were always in it. Um, I do want to go to, I'm going to go to 1996 quarterbacks. Because I know that Brett Favre had a monster year that year. So let's take it to the videotape and see where our friend um, Trent Dilfer stacked up. So Mark Brunell passed for 4,367 yards that year. Uh, Vinny Testaverde, 4,000. Drew Bledsoe, 4,000. Brett Favre, 3899 with 39 touchdowns. Um, Jeff Blake, 3,600. Gus Ferrat, 3,400. John Elway, 3,328. 30, um, 3,228, you said? 3,328? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's like that's like basement numbers. Like Daniel Jones didn't even have a lot of passing yards this year, and he had like 3,500. So yeah, that's on the threw- lower end of the spectrum. John Elway completed 61% of his passes, 26 touchdowns, 14 picks. Bobby 14. Herbert. Bobby Herbert. Who the fuck is Bobby Herbert? 3,100. Herbert's drunk uncle? Yes. 3,100 yards, 22 touchdowns, 25 picks. Troy Aikman. Twenty-five picks. Yeah. There was so many picks. These guys always threw so many interceptions. It's crazy. Now it's right. like if you throw over 10, you're like, you're, you're, borderline benched yeah no way would throw like 15 in a year like no problem yeah they're debating whether they want to shoot you into the sun or not um, <laughs> oh, let's see trent man. dilfer he took 28 sacks that year and he was kind of like john ogden and like um if like you that- had jamal lewis and priest holmes on that team and Beastly. well this is the this is actually the tampa bay team in 96 mm. for him but when they won that super bowl you have priest holmes and jamal lewis on that team yeah, and you still are getting no pass protection from maybe you're I, I think it's good. i think it's a quarterback issue that he was just holding on to the ball too long because john Ogden sounds was like a left tackle sounds like one a of the greatest issue. tackles yeah one of the greatest tackles of this last you know few decades so i don't know yeah all right before i have another like meltdown about this let's move on to something else (laughs) all right well i'll start um i recently watched uh infinity pool a movie that just came out it has alexander skarsgård um it has mia goth um it is done by brandon cronenberg who yes is the son of david cronenberg uh if you've ever seen the fly uh movies like that uh recently he did crimes of the future which i really enjoyed very much like a body horror. It's very weird. I promise you, it's not going to be for everybody. You may watch it and go, what the fuck was that? The short of it is Alexander Skarsgård and his wife are on vacation. And essentially, they accidentally run somebody over. I don't really want to say anything else other than that, because it descends into pure madness. And uh, yeah. So I, I 
definitely recommend giving it a watch, but just understand going into it that it's going to be very fucking weird. It's not what you think it's going to be. No, it, no, you are literally not like if you don't look at the synopsis of it, you will never in a million years guess what it's going to be. Yeah, I uh, I remember I saw I saw a uh, clip of it or a preview of it. I was like, this is fucking fascinating shit right here. Totally a very Cronenberg thing, um, but yeah, I I am I'm, I'm always very into it though because I love anything like body horror and all that. So for me, um, I'm I'm definitely in on it. Um, and you know Cronenberg, I mean, just you know, Videodrome, Crash, Scanners, History of Violence, East, Eastern Promises, mm-hmm. that shit, I fucking love it. So I'm all in. I'm all in for that. Um, but I also want to throw out. Maybe I just had one of the best sandwiches today. I have not eaten in, in the last few days because I've been very sick and kind of out there. There is a sandwich chain shop called Capriati's hmm. uh, that recently came to my town. Um, I got the Capistrami. I've been the Reuben in my mind is one of the best sandwiches ever. And they have a Reuben there called the Capistrami. It is fucking insane i may maybe i was just like super hungry because i haven't eaten the last few days but it was arguably one of the top tier sandwiches i've had in the last uh, few years so just want to throw that out there you're gonna come on the show and pipe up some fucking chain that i have no access to i think there is one in north carolina i don't know where in north carolina i'm sure it's in fucking raleigh or something um, what'd you get on the sandwich or what'd you get that came with it? Anything else? Or was it just a sandwich? Uh, it, it's kind of subway ish in that you can like, they can give you a drink and like, you can get a drink and like chips with it. But I just, I didn't cause I didn't, you know, and it, the sandwich is like, they have like four sizes, like an extra small, small, medium, and like large. And like, I was kind of pissed. I didn't get the large, uh, cause it was that fucking good. It's basically just pastrami. Um, crunchy coleslaw, Russian dressing, Swiss cheese, and it was fucking incredible. I'm down, dog. Hook me up. Oh, there yeah. is one in Charlotte. Yes. Dude, uh, I, I don't know how you feel about Reuben sandwiches, but if you like Reuben, all about him. That shit. All about him. It is an elite sandwich. I need to find out how the fuck to get to this place right now. <laughs> it's dude. It was fucking. Now again, if you come back and you're like, that was kind of mid, then maybe I'm just really hungry today. But like, to me, it was fucking amazing. It's 40 miles away. If I leave now, I could probably get there. You probably could. <laughs> Imagine you get there one minute past the closing. Ugh. No, it's banging <laughs> on the windows. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Well, I'll have to check that out pretty soon. Um, okay, so my pick of the week is going to be a Netflix show. It's called Full Swing, which it's a more of like a stylized documentary of the PGA Tour and all of the shenanigans that happened in 2022 with the rise of Scotty Scheffler, um, Justin Thomas winning his... Um, major, but also all of the drama that happened around the live golf tournament um, or their, their, the new golf league that opened up 
that was backed by Saudi money. Um, if anybody's a fan of Drive to Survive, it's the same people that created DTS did it for the PGA. Very, very interesting show because it, I think, particularly with sports like golf, it needs to be personality driven. And this show provides an opportunity for these guys to really open up and talk about like what their experience has been being professional players. They're all fucking head cases, just like you or I, anybody who plays golf, they're, they're very much the same. They, they get one bad shot and they're immediately in their own heads. So I'm about six episodes in now. It's only eight. I would strongly recommend you take a look at it because I think even if you're not like a big golf fan, the the human element of it is really, really interesting and it's well shot. I will say that it's completely out of order the same way the DTS is. So if you're anticipating them going from the Masters, the PGA to the US Open, British Open, that's not how it's going to go. It's mm-hmm. going to go by like the individual that they're following for each episode. Awesome. I will have to check yeah. that out. Anything else, Q? Spain, uh, Spain, new to your pets. Bob Barker. Price is right. Gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for us. Pet population. <laughs> Thanks, Q. Well, that does it for us on and on our episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Thank you all for jumped in to the comments. Thank you for the folks that were watching in the live stream. Um, you can follow us on all the major um, social media platforms, including Elon's Twitter machine that he's created. Hashtag Frigato. Hashtag Frigato. We're hoping that we're going to be able to get out to Scottsdale to free him. Um, I've just had my legal representation fax uh, contract over to Tom Cruise. He sent it back and said, I don't actually do this kind of work. So we've moved on to Liam Neeson, seeing what he's up to. Hopefully, you know, gatto has been taken. So he's a man with a certain set of skills and we're hoping that he can help us out. I called Liam Neeson to apparently taken also just a movie, by the way. You see, I don't believe that. I thought it was a documentary. I think legally they have to say it's a movie. I think it actually happened though. I'm just saying I tried. I'm trying, I'm trying everything here. Well, so. agree to disagree with them. <laughs> um, also throwing out five stars on Apple, please just keep hitting that five star Do it over download. You don't even have to listen to it. I don't give a shit. If you listen to it, just download it. You can delete it right after just keep downloading it. Yeah. And do the same for, we, chop up these episodes and we put them on YouTube as well as yeah. little highlights. Try to keep them under 20 minutes just for your viewing pleasure, but do us a favor, like those, tell your friends, tell your mom, just go to your grandmother's house and put it on the computer and then walk away and say, how do your mother Help us out here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Remember free Gatto. hit him on free the Gatto. Patreon. Hashtag free Gatto. And we are leaving shortly, trust me. <laughs> okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. We are, we are and then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap.
Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>